0: O God, in the days of Advent, these days when we look to the coming of Christ, startle us, O God, with your word. Help us to hear it anew, and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Six centuries before the birth of Jesus, God's people dreamt of going home. In 598 BC, Jerusalem was sacked and the temple destroyed, and following that unimaginable tragedy, the Israelites became captives. They were exiled to the city of Babylon. It was the darkest time Israel The exile lasted for about two generations, almost long enough for the Israelites to forget what life was like before, except for the poets, the prophets among them who kept their memories strong and their hopes alive. Even in the times that were the darkest, the poets sang to them of a Jerusalem they would once again call home. The prophet Isaiah wrote, Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A promise. A promise of going home. Aren't we longing for a similar message ourselves? Now, obviously, I'm not talking about home literally because most of us are spending way too much time there right now. But home, in this story, home is also a metaphor for the life we once knew. Regular time with family and friends, a return to rhythms and activities that we enjoy, freedom from fear and anxiety over illness, a chance to do the things that give us joy. Ironically, in these days, home for us might be the ability to travel. The absence of any and all of these normal patterns in our lives causes us to feel as if we are in exile from the life we once knew. In the days just before Jesus began his ministry, his cousin, A man that we know as John the Baptist, preached in the wilderness about the coming of Jesus. Each year as we await the coming of Christ at Christmas, we read that story. John the Baptist reminds us of the meaning of Jesus' life. He reminds us what we are longing for. It's a subversive story. John's words are not about a Jesus coming so that we can buy more presents or hang more lights or host the perfect family gathering. Some of those normal things may sound attractive right now, but that's not what it's about. Those things we often focus on are not the meaning of Christmas. So what is John the Baptist trying to tell us? When John talks about the meaning of Jesus he draws on those words from six centuries past, words spoken to a people in exile, Comfort, comfort my people. John recalls these words because he knows that he is speaking to a people who are living in an exile of their own. In the time of Jesus, the time of John, the Roman Empire had made the Jewish people exiles once again this time in their very own home. An occupying power, the Romans, had taken for themselves all of the access to power and comfort. The only Jews who got a piece of that pie were the ones who sold their souls to the empire, who took jobs as tax collectors and corrupt religious officials, and who profited from the suffering of their own Jewish siblings. The people who were coming to hear John the Baptist were not a part of that treasonous behavior. They were the regular people who were on the underside of it, eking out whatever existence they could in the midst of a bad situation. Making the best of a bad situation. I wonder how many of us resonate with that these days. One doesn't want to stretch these metaphors too far, but COVID-19 certainly does seem to have become an occupying power in our lives. We know that the message of John the Baptist must have been a good one. We know that it must have been a good one. He must, he must have been telling them something that they really needed to hear, something they could use. For the story says that these people living under an occupying power, they went in large numbers and traveled some great distances to hear John the Baptist. I laughed this week when I remembered the first time I preached on this story as a pastor in Cincinnati. I suggested that for entrenched Cincinnati East Siders, a trip to hear John the Baptist, was no small effort. It was the equivalent of going to hear a preacher in Chiviet. Now, I'm not that funny, but it was one of the better jokes that I've told in the pulpit. And today, standing in this room all by myself, I'm imagining how Jimmy Fallon must feel, night after night, telling his jokes with no audience. What was John the Baptist saying that made them want to come out and listen? What was so good about it? What struck such a chord that they came, so many, from such a long distance to hear him? What about it made King Herod so angry that he would soon throw John in prison? What John did was that he found a way to tell them this. Even in these difficult days, There is still something to live for, and maybe even something to die for. And he said it with these words. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. He's remembering that poetry from Isaiah to Israel. In exile, 600 years before, a voice cries out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. What's so good about that message? I want to focus on the part John focused on. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. As Isaiah said it, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. This is a word meant for people in the desert. The desert. The idea governing each of my Advent sermons this month is an idea I brought up to you several weeks ago. I said that darkness is God's territory. Darkness is God's territory. Christians often talk about the light. Let there be light. The light coming into the world. The glory of the stone rolled away at sunrise on Easter morning. These are the things that we talk about. But the reality that God does amazing things in the darkness. Jesus was born on Christmas night in the darkness of Mary's womb. He was raised from the dead in the darkness of the tomb before the stone was rolled away. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep. Darkness is God's territory. God is at work there. All the biblical metaphors for things that are unknown to us darkness, wilderness, desert places that seem to go on forever, that cause us to ask, when will it end? These things are God's territory. God knows. God can hold us, carry us, nurture us. Even in the desert, even in the darkness. God is there. I was in a Bible study this past week led by my friend Adam Clark. He's a theology professor at Xavier. He invited us to think about this same verse, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Adam Clark said that Advent is not just an historical event remembering the birth of Jesus Christ, and it's not just a future event looking forward to when Christ comes again. Advent is something that happens in the present, the present, in us, in our hearts. It takes place not just once, but at every moment in our lives. Perhaps it takes place especially in those dark wilderness desert moments, like the times we're experiencing now. Here's the moment in that Bible study that was most helpful to me. When we talk about making straight paths, my hunch is that many of us think about moralisms or behaviors we we must correct. I will drink less. I will pray more. I will give to the person asking for money. None of these aspirations are wrong. But the message of Advent is not that the crooked places are errors we have to correct. The message of Advent is that the crooked places in our lives can become highways to our God. They can become highways to our God. Most of the time we find our way to God not by fixing ourselves but by being honest about our need for help. There are other highways to God, and most of them won't surprise you. Highways to our God are found when we focus our energy on things that matter and last, rather than on things that are fleeting. This is a good time of year not to get swept up in objects Material things that we don't have and we might be able to get, that just tends to make us feel worse. Instead, we can focus on the quality of our relationships, not least of all the one with God, and the chances that we have to help other people. These are the things that tend to matter and last. It's so easy to get discouraged and depressed these days, but there are signs all around us of ways that our Knox community is finding highways to our God and engaging in things that matter and last. We've been blessed by the ways you have responded to our mission and outreach requests during the pandemic, housing families and feeding children and keeping our mission partners doors open when the needs are so great. We have found ways for our Sunday school children and our youth to continue to learn and grow and connect, even if it's on a cold day outside wearing a mask and distanced or by something that gets delivered to home and used around a family dining table. The cards and phone calls and prayers that I hear about weekly are keeping the fabric of our community strong through the relationships that you share. And some of you have shared with us that in this time of virtual church, you've made new friends through a church Zoom opportunity you probably never would have met at an in-person coffee hour. Of course, our greatest fear during this time of so much disconnection is who we might be missing without knowing it. So if you have not felt connected to church or you know someone who is feeling that way, please let me know. Please reach out to them yourself. It is amazing the difference that any kind of connection makes in these difficult days. God is still on the move. Even in these times when so much seems to be standing still, God is still on the move. This week I heard a preacher named Leslie Callahan refer to Christmas as a miracle in a mess miracle in a mess i can think of no better way to say it the history of advent is not a story about mary the mother it's a story about mary the pregnant girl she's balancing all the demands that she already had in her life just like all pregnant women do and then she finds herself carrying this child with all the physical and emotional demands that that entails and then The occupying empire says that she has to travel with Joseph to Bethlehem to pay more taxes. And when they arrive there, there is no place for her to give birth and to lay the baby except in a manger among the animals. I could go on and on. It's a mess. But the shepherds and the magi come to see. They come to see the miracle. And so do all of us, year after year after year, because what we really want is not to see some perfect family having a perfect Christmas. What we want is to see people who look a little more like us, messy as we are. And we want to know that God still loves them. So maybe God still loves us too. So when we hear this story of John the Baptist, which many of us have heard before, when we hear John recall those words, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And in case we feel like this year, we don't have it in us to prepare much of anything. Remember that these words are spoken not to perfect people living in easy times. But to messy people who find themselves in the darkness, the wilderness, and the desert, especially in those desert places, there is a highway.